Welcome community group leaders to the Deeper Podcast, where we help you confidently lead your groups. My name is Jeremy Wynn, and I'm the host of the Deeper Podcast, and we're joined again this week by Joe Hishma. Hey, everyone. Great to have you with us. I'm excited to get into God's Word with you. I'm also excited to pray for you this week as you continue to build uh, into your groups that God has called you. I mean, this is such an exciting opportunity for you to offer community again to people who uh, feel isolated and distant. And uh, it may, you may have some rough edges and you may have some challenges, but I'm praying for you. This is, this is gospel ministry we're talking about, is gathering into God's Word and uh, growing together in it. So good to have you here. Great. So Joe, what is the passage for this week and what is the question that we're going to be answering in this podcast? Yeah, we're looking at 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 through 6. And we're really looking at what, what do you do when you sin? And it's kind of unlike any other message I've ever preached, but the ultimate big idea is when you sin, you have an advocate and that advocate is Jesus. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll dive into that in a second. But before we do, we're going to have our growing together time. And so this is a time where we help learn from each other. And so this week, we're going to highlight a best practice for groups right now that are meeting in person, best practice for groups that are meeting virtually, and then some groups that are kind of doing a hybrid approach. So what we'd say about if you are meeting in person, really right now, what we want to do is how do we meet safely in person? And it's so bitterly cold outside that you can't meet outside and all those things. So I'll just say that one guiding verse for us through this is going to be Philippians 2.4. And it says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So we just encourage you, have these conversations with your groups and just say, hey, we've been meeting in person for a while. How is this going? Do you feel comfortable with the distancing or masks or whatever we're doing? And just continue to treat others better than yourself. Joe, I know your group's been meeting in person. Do you have have any best practices that that you would add to that? Yeah. So... um... Um, we were determined. <laughs> it was just we didn't we didn't want to have another semester go by where we weren't meeting, and so we just said, "Look, we're going to do this, and if you want to sit out uh, a, a, a season or connect with us uh, online and through FaceTime." do that. And so that's what we're doing. We're meeting at my house on Monday nights. It's been going really, really well. Well, good. And so my group's meeting virtually. And uh, a best practice that we've actually figured out is our our group time meets Sunday evenings at 8 o'clock because we have a lot of kids and we want to put our kids to bed. But we actually open it up at 745. So there's 15 minutes that people can join early and there's absolutely no agenda, nothing. It's not mandatory. And so it's been a nice just free time just for people Mm -hmm. just to see each other and talk, no agenda. And then eight o'clock, we all jump in and we kind of start through the the flow of our evening. So that's just been wow, a that's unique, a great new that's practice. a great thing. I really like that idea. Yeah, uh, you can. We don't have Jake kids, so we we get in there and and really just. I mean, we just jump into community and finding out what's going on. and Yeah, and you know, in person, you can say, hey, well, we're going to have a meal at the beginning, or there's That's just right. some flex, That's but right. when it was virtual, it was like, okay, how do we stay to our time frame? Because we want to you know, be respectful of people's time, but yep. we also want to have some unstructured. So anyway, something right. that we found that worked. Good. Um, and then hybrid options. So you might be like, what, what's hybrid? Good question. I didn't fully know either. So some groups, they meet every other week where maybe the guys meet one week and then the ladies meet another week. So that they um, can help do follow the health standards as well as ch- take care of childcare and that type of thing. And other groups, because of maybe work schedules or whatever, it's just been challenging to get a set time. So they've leveraged technology, whether it be group chats or even Marco Polo sending messages back and forth to the groups to maintain 
that connection, even if they're maybe not having content specific right now. So anyway, hopefully those are some tips that can help you as you think through how to lead your groups well. And next week, we really want to have a time of celebrating stories of how God is moving in your groups. So please send us an email this week or um, give us a call. We'd love to get those and send those to Warren Wilson. Again, his email is wwilson at fbctopeka.com, and we'd love to be able to share and celebrate those with the groups. All right. Well, now let's take a deeper dive of the passage. We're going to reap through the passage, so we'll start with reading. Joe, could you read that? All right. This is 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 through verse 6. It says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Excellent. So again, just by reminder, we're not going to re-go over what everything you're going to share in your message because you do a great job of laying this out and giving a good way of, of reflecting and responding um, to the passage. But I'm going to dive in a couple couple things. So the first one is in verse one, we see this word advocate. And this is, I mean, a major part of your big idea. So can you just dig in a little deeper, explain why does John use this word and how does it appropriately describe Jesus and his role? Yeah, so if you look at the writings of John, he, he wrote the Gospel of John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. So that's five, I mean, wouldn't you like to write something that five of them made the Bible? Absolutely. <laughs> so he, he's, um, he's calling them out of darkness into light, he's calling them out of sin and into the reality of the salvation of what Jesus means in their lives. And now he's trying to guide them into a, how do you handle sin? And remember the Gnostics, the people who he was writing this to confront, the false teachers, they believed that your sin wasn't that big a deal. Since the physical doesn't matter, you can do whatever you want. And, and, and John just knew the reality of sin. It traps you. It, se- it separates you from God. It, it clouds out every blessing that we have in Christ. And it, it really prevents you from growing, and it, it erodes your confidence in Christ, and it kind of throws it on yourself. And that accuser, that accuser that John writes about, um, that appears before the Father and accuses the saints night and day, will one day be done away with. He'll be thrown into the bottomless pit forever, and... And so he wants us to realize this is right now you've got an angry you got an angry Satan who is out to kill, steal and destroy. And when you sin, he's just going to prey on that. Some of us think that Satan gets us to sin and then walks away. No, he gets us to sin and then he just he tromps on and he throws something at you and he makes you believe another lie that's built on the previous lie and he just makes I've I've talked to him and I've even lived with the guilt and shame that Satan made me believe about myself, even as a follower of Christ and as a child of Christ. And so this whole thing is we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, which means that we don't have to be perfect. It's not that we ignore our sin, but when we sin, we have that advocate. And John is saying, look, 
This is not to say that you should sin, but when you sin, and I think all of us sin, we're going to leave this podcast, and then uh, a car is going to cut in front of us, we're going to think or say something that was less than the glory of God, we're going to be insensitive to our spouses, we're going to be uh, angry with the political situation in our country, we're going to be upset about COVID, we're going to talk behind someone's back with who we disagree with, we're going to have sin, let's call it. Let's not ignore it. Let's call it and remember you're never alone. You have an advocate. Great. So then in verse 2, there's a word there, propitiation. So you you do cover this in the service, but it, it's enough of just a kind of a religious word that I'd just like to spend a little bit of time here. Break that down for us, and yeah. how do we just easily understand that? And if other people in our group don't get it, how can we explain it to them? Yeah. So propitiation, it has a word that's linked back to the Old Testament, and... In the secular world, it had a whole bunch of different uh, meanings, but but in in the New Testament, it really it drew them back to the pictures that on the Day of Atonement, the priest would uh, would give a sacrifice for his sins, and then he would make a sacrifice for the sins of the people of Israel, and and there were two elements of it: that sin uh, that 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 blood from that sacrifice would cover the sins of the people. And then he would just to symbolize that you're no longer under this guilt, that it's been taken from you. He would set out a goat, and it would be the scapegoat. You've heard of that t- phrase, that figure of speech. But he would send out that goat to go wander, and, and basically it was the picture of your sins have been paid for, and they've been taken from you. As that goat was released out into the wilderness, it just wandered and, and left you. It no longer was on you. And so for me, I see this as your sins. Uh, God was satisfied in Christ for all of the payment of your sins. God's not looking for me to do anything to add to what Christ has done, even when I sin. Secondly, that ultimately when I sin, I still have the relationship with my father. That's not compromised. And so he's still in Christ pleased with me. And I think that the one, that's the one that just has hit me over the head over the course of my walk with Christ. When I've sinned, I've not always seen the advocate. I've listened to the accuser, and that accuser has said, look at you, how can you be a pastor and do that or think that? Look at you, how can you be a leader and yet not even follow Jesus in that area? And it just defeated me until I realized I had an advocate, and that advocate, Jesus, covered everything. So now instead of the displeasure of God, I have the pleasure of God. Instead of the frown of God, I have the smile of God, all because of Christ. So we go from verse 1, we talk a lot about the advocate, verse 2 talks about yeah, atoning for sin, propitiation, and we see this picture of being able to rest in the completed work of Christ. And then in 3 through 6, it it starts saying a lot of things that potentially we could read it as, okay, here's the things I need to do as a follower of Christ. So, you know, and we see this throughout a lot of scripture, this kind of this tension between, okay, uh, that salvation is through faith alone, but there's also how do good works play into this? So how does verses one and two fit seamlessly with three through six when, you know, I could easily read this and be like, okay, rest in Christ, and then here's the things I'm supposed to do as a good Christian. So yeah. how, how do we seamlessly great, look at that? Great question, because that's the, I think the tendency is for us just to try to be good again and to do things on our own and to work harder. And remember what chapter one said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus covers us and cleanses us from all our sins. I love that verse. But think about that, walking in the light. So this Jesus is our advocate. He 
he, he pays for our sins, and he sets us free from the guilt and shame of that. And then he says, follow me. That's what a walk with Jesus is. It's not, it, when, when we rest in the work of Christ for us, we can then follow him unhindered. A lot of people follow him with their works, and, and you just think about it. Jesus is our guide, and he's guiding us on a journey. What's the most important thing to remember when you're on that journey with a guide? Follow him or follow her who is ever leading us on that. And, and we have to realize, no, I just can't go wander whatever way I want to if I'm, because my guide knows the destination we're going to, and he knows the direction that's best for us. He knows where there's dangers. So it just makes sense. Follow me. We've got someone who's guiding us, right? We're not lost. We've got someone who's leading and directing us. We don't have to do that on our own because we would never do that. We'd stumble in the dark. That's right. All right, so we've read the passage, we've examined it, now we're going to move to application. So I'm going to ask a, a pretty big question, then you can kind of help break this down for us. So so in your sermon, and as we look at the passage, we talk about some ways to apply are to confess our sin to Him, yeah. rest in the completed work of Christ, and follow Jesus. So how, can you give us some next steps for us, community group leaders? How do we how do we help our groups apply this? What are maybe questions we ask or maybe some just examples to give to people or questions we need to ask ourselves to be able to apply this? Yeah. So think about last week. We really encouraged you to confess your sins uh, or your strongholds with your, with your community group. And if this is kind of phase two of that, because we can confess our sins, but then it's that picture of resting. Most people just go, sorry, God. I'll be better next time. And that's not the way out of sin. That's, the, that's sin management. That's taking things into your hands. So this has really challenged me, just good to go through this simple process here. Uh, when I realized that the goal of Satan is to separate me from the person, the work, and the will of God. That's, that's all this. When I just slow down and go with my sin, when I confess it, I have to look at Jesus and never see myself as the one who bears the burden for that. This is just a slower process, but ultimately it's healing. It's where healing comes from. You and I talk, and maybe you do too, people, when they confess, they feel guilt and shame. And the truth is, we are all guilty of sin. And it stems from our condition as sinners, but we are not without hope. We have put our faith in Christ, and instead of our unrighteousness, for some reason, I mean, the, the grace of God, we now have righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And so we have to live with that reality rather than just having our guilt and shame drag us through that whole isolation, desperation, and, and just, you know, drift that sin will do. So it's caused me just to think personally about a sin when I confess it. And then even think through, there's a way out of this. And Jesus, as my guide, wants me to follow him. And so it challenges me to do that. And so after I confess a sin, then I look at Jesus, what way, what's the way out of this sin? Okay? And if sin isolates me, I don't ever want to be in a place where I'm vulnerable and isolated. And and so, I mean, I know this is a longer answer, but I think God and His Spirit can do a whole bunch of work when we slow down and go, I confess that, I rest in Christ, and now I'm going to follow Jesus. Yeah. 
Great. So groups, uh, as you meet, yeah, ask that question of what does that look like to rest in Christ and the completed work of Christ? And how do you not allow that, that sin to define you, but how do you allow Christ and the gospel to define you and to transform you to then follow him? Well, Joe, can you pray for, yeah. for groups? Yeah. So this, let me just say this, this is a major stronghold that Satan can do in our lives. And if we don't realize we've got an advocate, and we don't even, I mean, if we think about this right now, just as we go to prayer, picture that before the throne of God above, you have an advocate pleading your cause. He has provided everything you need and has invited you to follow him, and he's there to lead you. So let's just, can we just try to conform our hearts around Jesus right now and allow him to do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person here. Um, Whenever they're listening to this or watching it, may you move this passage through your spirit into our lives so that when we sin, we realize we're not under the grip of the accuser. We, We have an advocate. His name is Jesus, the righteous one, who lived, died, and rose again for us. May we confess to him, rest in him, and follow him. And Lord, I just look forward to great stories of people who are coming out of the bondage of sin and resting and being renewed in the person, the work, and the way of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to have now a segment of Looking Ahead, and we've been talking about this for a while, but registration is live for the deeper experience, and so we're going to be going in one evening on February 25th, Thursday evening, 6.30, we're going to be going through the entire book of First John. And so you can watch it virtually, um, but you can also come in person, and so we encourage you to register. Um, if you plan to meet in person, we will have a, a scroll for you, and we're going to just be excited to dive into that. So you And go to- our numbers went up. Right? And our, our, our numbers went up to yes. uh, 300 or in our space, yep. hopefully more. <laughs> yeah, so the yeah the county commissioners upped how many people can be in our venue, so yeah. we can have up to 300 people now for this experience, which we are yeah. really excited about. So go to fbctopeka.com slash events and register yourself and anyone else in the community groups would like to be there. Or if maybe that time um, you have to put kids to bed or whatever, still check in online and maybe you tune in a little for the later part of it or watch it after we're done, that's okay. We just want you to be able to be a part of it in some way. And then next week, we have Brian Trias joining us. And so that's we're excited right. to have him join. We will miss Joe being here for a week, but we're excited to have Brian's perspective as yeah. we uh, have our deeper podcast. So with that... That's it. It So community group leaders, I hope that this podcast has helped you be uh, equipped and confident as you lead your groups this week. We are in prayer for you and excited for you as you continue to shepherd and lead your groups. God bless and stay warm. Bye-bye. 